So welcome to season four. We are in season four. We're in season four. Congratulations. Welcome to season four, episode one of uh, Two Crees in a Pod. And we are so extremely excited to have uh, Patrick and Marissa Mitswing join us today. Um, I'm going to open up the floor to both of y'all to introduce yourselves in whichever way you would like to, and then we're going to dive into some juicy conversation. <laughs> juicy. <laughs> juicy, juicy conversation. <laughs> I just got nervous again. Pensa. <laughs> uh, I am from Soto. First Nation, a little town outside of North Battleford. My name is Marissa Mitswing, and I'm just so thankful to to be here with Amber, Terry, and Patty. That's a Gipsy's Neo Sigasen, Marcus Sagagan, and Nochinia, Patrick Mitswing, Nick Sigasen. The Naskman Nato Mega Babisquian. Hey guys, my name is Patrick Mitswing from Loon Lake, Saskatchewan, and happy to be here to. Four crees in a pod today. <laughs> four. Here we go. <laughs> hey, that's it. Sacred four. Yeah, sacred four. Yeah. Here. Season four. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> okay, I, I always wondered who who made that noise, and now I know. <laughs> well, both of them. Both of them. Both of them. Oh, I don't know. I'm doing better. I'm doing, I'm doing better. Nia. <laughs> I thought it was the other way. (laughs) (laughs) So we want to, um, so we'll explain to our listeners about why we felt that this was really important. So as uh, our, our regular listeners know, Terry and I did an episode on Indigenous love. Um, how long ago was that? It was a while back. Her and I were sitting in my car, um, and we just pressed record. Uh, Because we're having a conversation about love, more specifically around Indigenous love. And we wanted to follow up uh, to that episode. And so we had asked or had been thinking about we wanted to have a couple on our podcast. And like I said previous to this recording, we have heard Patrick speak at multiple events out in Indian country. And one of the things that Terry and I have always been um, in admiration of is the way that you two... Uh, coexist, the way that the two of you share space together, the way that Patrick has honored uh, his wife, Marissa, publicly, and the way that I have seen the two of you out in the community with your little ones. And so we wanted to have a conversation about love and more specifically about resi ass indigenous love. You know, we want to get resi with it. That rugged ass yes, rugged no. ass indigenous love. Found the poster couple. <laughs> but we want to have a conversation about what what it is. Um and so another quick comment, one of the things that Terry and I talked about in that podcast around indigenous love and this is kind of leading into my question to both of you is around how we are all, um, uh, or sorry, children of residential school survivors, or we are the children of, or the grandchildren of residential school survivors. And we all are, you know, in this kind of thick mud, uh, sometimes it's what it feels like of colonial trauma. And so having a healthy relationship within that can be, challenging there's some adversity in that right 
And so we want to hear from both of you about what do you think healthy Indigenous love is <clears throat> and what has been your, tell us your love story. Tell us your love story, Patrick and Marissa. <laughs> it's funny because we have like a different account of how we first met. We I'm like, wait. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> um, so it's, it's always a little different. But um, the first time that I uh, met Patrick was at, uh, I was 13 years old. And uh, it was actually at my brother, uh, his funeral. And I just remember him being one of my brother's friends and him being around my, my moms and, and them, you know, being in so much pain and, and he was there. And that was my first ever uh, encounter with Patrick. So they've always been really um, positive that way. He, in my mind, that's how he's, he's etched is that that man who who was taking care of my my moms hmm. um so that's that i've known pat since i was 13 and i turned 33 today <laughs> <clears throat> we were um inner city youth in saskatoon and i didn't have parents at that time uh when i moved to saskatoon and then i was just kind of scrolling around and being this this kid uh hanging around some bad crowds at the same time in and out but our sanctuaries kind of our safe place was this uh white buffalo youth lodge in saskatoon uh -huh. and i would always see her there and there was there was always something you know when we seen each other where we'd hug each other and you would i felt anyway that there was i wasn't thinking anything like as a relationship yet but i knew there was a connection you know what I mean? Um, and our love story is is a lot of learning about each other. Um, <clears throat> I was that that kid who thought he knew everything. And when I remember when we started our relationship, I, I even let her know. I, I know so much about relationships, I, I told her. <laughs> and, you know, as, as it went on, I realized I knew nothing about relationships. Um, and it was a lot of us kind of digging deep of our who we were and who we are, where we came from, our, our own stories, to actually get to where we are right now. Um, and for me, there's a lot of turning points when it comes to love where I grew a lot. Um, and um, <clears throat> looking back, you know, the very first thing was um, when my dad left when I was four, um, I didn't know how much that messed me up when it, when it comes to relationships. And then my, my mom left shortly afterwards and so part of me, when I was getting into my early relationships in my life, I was realizing I was just craving a family mm. because I was abandoned. And <clears throat> part of that too was I felt like there was a part of me that felt like I wasn't worthy of love because if my, my dad left, then my mom left. And then, you know, who's going to love this kid was my big feeling that I didn't know was there for a long time. And that's the reason why I was, I jumped into a relationship and then after it didn't work, I jumped into another one. If that didn't work, I jumped into the other one. And then 
finally I met Marissa. And then I didn't know I was in a pattern, right? I was doing this thing that um, <clears throat> I was always chasing that that family that I never had. And I just felt a little bit of it when I started a relationship. Huh. Mm. And with me, Pat is actually like my, my first serious boyfriend. And... Uh, my dad and my mom, they're both uh, residential school survivors. And there's, I, you said it in, in one of your podcasts before, um, how there's this loyalty from the daughter of a man who um, has been through uh-huh. in, in residential school. And I was that fully also for Pat. And even in the times where I couldn't even see it was unhealthy, I still had that where, um, you know, it's not as bad as my dad or it's, you know, it's not as bad as them, the way they treat each other. You know, so I'd, I, I, I'd really not known, known who I was or, you know, I didn't really know who I was in, in our relationship. And I, I, I just followed that lead of, you know, what these fairy tales told me, what Disney showed me, th- this is it. This is this is the dream and um we were not that at all. We were I was like this is this is not no 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 fairy tale here. <laughs> and um I think us really understanding that early on, like, okay, this is real life. Like we had a kid right away. Um, We knew like we've done everything backwards. Pat and I have done every single thing backwards. We met, we started a family, we lived together right away. You know, we were just did everything backwards. That's that, that's that that Resi shit though. (laughs) (laughs) You shack up. When did you guys shack up? Yeah. When did you shack up? How soon? Like months. And I was like knocked in like six months. Like it was, it was like, oh, like it was just, no time. Oh, yeah. 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 You were the one. Yeah. Is this how this is supposed to go? You know, we were like, uh, yeah, like we really started from nothing when it when it came to to what we're trying to build is we and we just didn't we were just two people who really had no clue either Hmm. Mm -hmm. that's so beautiful and I love that you shared that you know and I'm watching you guys I'm watching you guys on screen and, and we're able to see each other virtually and and you can see the love that you each have for for one another and the way that you look at each other um, it's the way I look at you. Never I know mind. you do actually. <laughs> I sit here. <laughs> it's like Marissa. Yeah, it's just, she's just staring at me. I just want someone to look at me the way I look at you. That's what I want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't need a man. You got me. (laughs) Now I don't even know what I was going to say. Sorry, I cut you off. (laughs) And I think about when when you talk about like how you started, you know, you've grown this life together and and you talk about the learning um, that has happened. And I think that's most all relationships, Mm. you know, especially when we understand some of the 
trauma and the history within our own lives, within our own communities, how we have to deconstruct that and learn from it. We have to experience it. We have to feel it. You know, I remember, <clears throat> I remember leaving a relationship when I was younger and I remember my mom sitting with me in a car and she was sitting with me and it was in Edmonton. It was actually at Oliver, like just mm. a few blocks from here. <laughs> and we were sitting in the vehicle and she looked at me and she said, my girl, when are you going to wake up? And it was in regards to my relationship, my mm. unhealthy relationship at that time. And she said, do you want to live through what I live through? Because the person that I was with at the time was, was battling some addictions. And my father definitely coped with alcohol um, in his time in his marriage with my mother, right? And, and I witnessed that. And so one of the things was that it was, a, you know, that aha moment where I was like, shit, like, am I going to live? I have a choice right now if I'm going to live my mother's life or if I'm going to make a choice to move on and, and seek out that healthier relationship um, in my life. And definitely, mm -hmm. I think that those are the experiences, you know, when you talk about the learning, it's, it's, we're always learning, I think, within all of our relationships and, and the different steps and the different, you know, you guys each say that you've, um, you've grown together. Mm -hmm. And that's such a, you will continue to grow together. And there will be many different milestones that you may encounter, right? So, yeah. And I think that that's, I, I like that. And I like that piece when, when you sent us the bio, Marissa, that's the one piece that I read a few times was we have grown together. Mm -hmm. We've grown up together. And so why don't you share more, please, about what that means? What does that mean to grow up together? Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> we, uh, we, I, looking back we were just kids mm -hmm. you know and looking at both of our our lives from a bird's eye view um we didn't really have uh an idea of what for myself like what what is a what does a husband look like what does a father look like and a, a, a friend you know like those those simple things um and a lot of that was from trauma in uh, our families and how we grew up but when we started we were we were living in this apartment in avenue t south and 20th street and oh man like that building we're talking like dirty rugs bed bugs in the whole building um pretty bad neighborhood that was our start and i was in this position where <clears throat> Some of the men that I had in my life that were actually good um, ideas of what a man was. Um, one was my my late uncle Tom, and he uh, he was a really good provider for the family, and it was a real traditional sense where, you know, the dad will take care of the family and the mom will you know take care of the house, right? And so I thought that's what that's what it was supposed to be like. So. I, when I when we got started in a relationship, I told Marissa right away, you know, you don't have to do anything. I'll take care of you. And and the the problem was, I didn't want to do university. I didn't want to go and get a degree and and get a job and work all my life till retirement. I just didn't see that as a, a good life. And so 
but I knew I had to provide. <clears throat> and I talked about this on uh, Think Indigenous. You know, one of my turning points was, you know, when we had Leland, Leland was a baby and Marissa's like, can you go get some diapers? We're running low, hey? And so I jumped in my 1996 Dodge Neon and I, I drive to the bank and realize we have no money. And I, I'm not that provider that I thought I was trying to be, that I was, you know, was really working hard to be. And we were struggling. And that was when I kind of had that realization. It was like where you kind of brought it up, where you have to make a decision. And one of the books I picked up was uh, Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins. And there's a couple things that stood out right away in the, the first chapter of that book. One, it said, wherever you are in your life, yeah, you decided to be there. You're there because you decided to be there. And I'm like, no, I'm not. You know, we're living in the hood. We're, we're struggling. We have no food. I didn't decide to be there. And then it said, because uh, you're not deciding to not be there, you know, by doing the work. And that just kind of hit me. I was like, oh, man, okay. And then the other one was, you know, to raise your standards, that one hit me because our standard of living at that time was was so low and we just got comfortable living where we were because it was easy. Uh -huh. And so those two lessons that I learned at that time helped me with my relationship because, you know, whenever we got bad, I took full responsibility. I was like, what did I do on my side to make this happen? And... I we're here struggling in our relationship because I decided that we're going to struggle. Huh. You know, I, t I took that full responsibility and I, and then I'd always step back and be like, what is that? What am I doing? That is not, you know, right. What am I doing? That is that I can improve on. And then that led, led me to a quote uh, by Jim Rohn. And he said, you know, a lot of relationships are, you know, you take care of me if I take, you know, I'll take care of you if you take care of, of me. Really transactional. Huh. Um, huh. And then he said, a better philosophy is I'll take care of me for you if you take care of you for me. Huh. And then together we can meet, you know, as better people coming together. And then that really hit me on, on our relationship of how I can improve this relationship or where we're at. And um in the beginning it was me all, all, all the time where she, her emotional bank account her spiritual bank account all of that was feeding into me because in order for me to provide at the time because i wasn't going to go to university um, my one skill was dancing you know powwow and so marissa would say okay you want to be this dancer I'm going to support you. And so she would be for me and she would support me. And if whatever little money we had, you know, that went to me so I could get to that powwow. And so I was leaving and she, and, <clears throat> you know, long story short, I became a, a, a world champion dancer. And, and we've accomplished a lot of our dreams that I had for our family. Hmm. <clears throat> and we hit a point a roadblock where she was just drained and because she was feeding me that whole time, my dreams, my goals to support the family. And we, although we moved up from where we were, that apartment building to another, a better standard of living, um, she wasn't happy. 
because, you know, it was my dream. It was my life that we were feeding. And that's where we hit our first kind of big, huge crossroads where, you know, we almost broke up at that time because she was so emotionally drained um, and she didn't feel like she was accomplishing the things that she wanted to be in her life. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, you know, it's, I think um, that's some of the work that I, that I had to do on my own and, and to, to contribute properly to this relationship was um you know, I I, I I I grew up just in a really hectic and, and chaotic household. And, um, you know, my thinking was, you know, at least he's not drinking every day or at least he's not hurting me physically. At least, you know, I came up with every excuse in the book and, and the what he would do these things and that would hold me over till the next thoughtful or beautiful thing that he would do. And then it would hold me over for months and I'd just be you know, losing my hair and, um, you know, not really taking myself serious. You know, what, what are the desires of my heart? What, what do I want to do? What do I want to be? And, you know, I, I really, the, the, this Disney thing really messed me up because that was really all I had in terms of what a healthy relationship looked like. And, you know, that, that looked like, you know, me staying home and having kids and taking care of the house and that's happily ever after. And, um, you know, and then I thought eventually, you know, one day if I give this man all that I can, you know, it, it's going to be my turn. And that never came. That that never came. And it it was, um, you know, and I, I that was a lot of my friends, too. You know, their, their thing was they would give so much. And these men would not really understand how the damage that they're and like the 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 way that they're hurting the soul of these women. And when we were finally able, you know, when he got this, where okay, she's really hurting. Okay, there's some deeper levels to this, you know. And and he was finally able to support me in that there was these huge, huge, huge shifts in, in our relationship. And me also full, fully taking responsibility for that. You know, I allowed a lot of that me to, to not be growing. You know, I, I allowed that for, for so long, not knowing that that was hurting me though. And um, so when I could take a step back and look and say, okay, you know, you, you, in order to make this better, like I have to be um, a whole person outside of of this, mm-hmm. and I just wasn't. And my thing, I guess, in in what you know, the work that I did in in healing and saying, okay, maybe this isn't right. The work that Pat did, you know, in support to to show me that love and support is he said, okay, you know, like whatever this looks like for you I'm here but not just saying that him actively making sure that every single day Uh I am trying to be that better version of myself Hmm. we have a lot to say to that it's not not our episode (laughs) I'm not gonna comment 
Ito guys. Ay, man. Oh, but, and, and I want to ask, first I want to say thank you for, for sharing that. Um, there is so much truth uh, and, and authenticity in what you just shared that, uh, that I felt it. Like, I, I got goosebumps uh, when you were talking about everything that you just said. And one of the things that I really appreciate, uh, Patrick, is that piece around the learning that relationships are transactional. And that's how we've typically been raised, is mm -hmm. to believe that relationships are you give me this and I give you that. And that's how we come together and make this work. And what a false sense of relationships. Um, and it turns it into a business transaction rather than a my heart touches your heart, right? And, and it, while you were talking, while you were both talking, I thought about, you know, these traditional roles that we typically have. And, and I mean traditionally, so we have this Western European uh, type of family system that a lot of us have had to adopt uh, because we've been forced to adopt of that male breadwinner, uh, female homemaker, uh, raising children and women don't work outside of the house, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, which is also only honoring heterosexual relationships, which isn't fair. Um, and then there's that other piece around our roles, Nehiowak, and how we have always practiced relationships with one another, whether that be, uh, you know, heterosexual, homosexual relationships, they, them, all types of relationships, mm -hmm. that we have always honored relationships as being mm -hmm. what you talked about, Patrick, rather <clears throat> than it being transactional it being more of this is how I'm going to take care of me. This is how you're going to take care of you. And we're going to come together in that space, which I think is, uh, again, it, it, it's that's such a profound thought for me all of the time. I also thought about how, you know, those Nehiawak roles that women's roles or folks who identify as women, those roles were never stagnant. We had to change and shift all of the time dependent on what was going on in our camps, what was going on at the time, whether that be we, there was a food shortage, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think that how y'all have supported each other in growth and development is, you know, a perfect example of how those relationships always have been in our communities, right? So Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. One of, um, so last year on our anniversary of my birthday Pat got me this beautiful book that I reference almost every single day but it's my Japan Antoine stories and in one of these stories he talks about one of my relatives and in him and uh, well hit this guy his wife uh passes away and he is just grief ridden and he cannot move and he he takes off all his clothes and he wraps himself in a robe and he just has his moccasins on and he was like just gonna go outside and lay in the bush and just stay there until he died. And when he was out there, his late wife came to him in a dream and she said, take one of my teeth and sew it into your shirt so you so you carry a piece of me with you. But But remember that I'll always be here and she just motioned over the land and when we when I read that story and we read that together we, you know our, our, and we talked about that you know our, when we could have that shift that this is a nurture ship it changed everything and then it changed the way that we looked at, at the land but then also the way that we looked with 
with ourselves and then every single relationship that we had with anyone, with our children, with our friends, with our siblings, that that sort of nurtureship is is the goal for for everything. If I'm looking at him through a lens of nurtureship, there's no way I would pollute you on purpose. I would never harm you intentionally. There's just looking at him through that lens has just we've we've grown again. You know, we're a different shade of each other now. Whenever we get to learn these things together, and that's probably one of my favorite things about having Pat as a partner is we're always, always, always learning. Yes. You know, I I realized too, like because we're always growing and learning. Um, the Marissa, who she is right now, is not going to be the same Marissa a year from now. So I have to learn who she's becoming all the time and to, to match that love language as she grows because she's going to read some new books. She's going to talk to some people. She's going to listen to another podcast and that might change her a little bit. And so the person that she is a year from now or five years from now is not who she's going to be today. You know, it's going to be a different person. And so I got to learn to keep changing as well to love that person and to help her grow as she grows and vice versa, right? I have a question to that. And, and I ask this because you talk about um, in terms of Marissa giving herself to you in the sense of, of putting a lot of the effort into that relationship earlier on in your relationship. And you, you talked, you made a good point about um, how you'd also need to understand this shift that she's gonna take on, right? Or has she's already begun to take on. Is that difficult for you? And is it difficult in, in a way of, of seeing, you know, she's been, um, as she's changing in, in this and she's growing and she's moving into maybe different areas or whatever, um, is that difficult for you? And how do you manage that? You know, in that beginning part, it was extremely difficult because I had this idea of our family that I, I think for a lot of people, any kind of change is, is difficult. And so when we, you know, it, it was actually Will Smith, <laughs> he said uh, in the relationship, right, she is a flower, if you think of her as a flower. Um, and you know, that struggle that I had was I was trying to make her into the flower I wanted her to be, you know, like maybe a rose, but she wanted to be a lily and she couldn't grow because I was really wanting her to be a rose and not a lily. And the moment I started watering that lily, you know, for her to grow to be the best beautiful lily that she could possibly be, um, we we uh, we grew so much and our love got stronger and all that every every good thing that you could have in a relationship started to happen um, because I, I realized that she was her own flower you know it wasn't me trying to make her into something that I wanted her to be huh. and it was difficult you know it was it's hard um, you know even when we we were arguing what I notice if we argue about the same thing over and over again, 
that there probably is something there that I'm just not hearing. I'm not, and, and, and not so. Listening. Not listening. You're not listening <laughs> well enough. This <laughs> one. Right. Say it again. Yeah. <laughs> you have two ears for a reason. Yeah. yeah. I think, uh, and for me uh, as a man, like that's, that's a skill I, I, I got better at. Because it didn't have to be 10 times that she argued about that same thing. You know, later on, it was eight times and then five times and then three times. And then I started getting it. I was like, okay, she's trying to tell me something that I'm just, you know, I'm not, I might not be listening. or I, I, I can't transcode that, what she's trying to tell me. And then, you know, that has really helped me um, just to like, okay, this is what she's trying to tell me. And then to have those conversations and and make sure that I could adjust, you know, that I could become better for her. Uh-huh. And I, I actually interpreted that a little differently. You know, he, the flower thing, you know, Pat is human. He, he's a man. He's, he's a human. And I can't ask him to do things that are not human. I can't ask him to not be attracted to people. I, I can't ask him to not, you know like people's things you know mm-hmm. or, or you know whatever that i i can't ask him to do things that mm-hmm. are human that are he's they're gonna do naturally i, I cannot ask and because if i do i'll be disappointed over and over and over again and the same for you know it, it went both ways when we kind of talked about how we interpreted that differently and like i saw that as me not having ownership over him and him not having ownership over me and him giving him space to be fully who he wants to be and to decide, oh, hey, I like these things. I might not, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. To that, we, just, we, we interpreted those totally different. And um, I, I just not putting so much pressure on, on him, you know, to be this perfect person for me or him to me to be this you know whatever this ideal that that was you know those are things small things that were big victories for us mm-hmm. Pat and I have been through if you think about it you we've been through it like we've been through a really bad car accident mm-hmm. we had a house fire we lost a child we've been through so many things together that I just take so much joy now in him being who he is, who he wants to be, that makes me feel like I want to do that. And I want to see my kids doing that. And then I want to see my family doing that. I want to see my girlfriends in that space. I want to see my friends and, you know, like I I just want to see them there. And just knowing that they're that health that that's possible uh-huh. i am we just want to share that uh-huh. and you do and and i think that that's uh you know both of you in your own right have gifts to share in this world and uh and then together in this space in in your partnership is also a gift and um and just sharing this with you right now, like we get the opportunity to just sit and share the vibes and the energy that's coming here. And and it is a very gentle energy and it's a very beautiful energy. 
and uh, and so you do, mm-hmm. and and so thank you both for for doing that for the rest of the world, and more specifically, I mean your children, and then your children's children, and then your chapans, and you know, and I think that that's. Um, I think we all, you know, as again, as as folks in, in I, I think y'all are a bit, well, I know you're a bit younger than me for sure. Uh, but I think about our generations, though. And mm-hmm. I think about, um, you know, our parents, our parents, our collective parents didn't have a fair shot at having healthy relationships. They weren't given a fair shot. And so they did the best they could with the skills, resources, and the knowledge that they had at that time. And it is our responsibility in our generation to demonstrate something different for our own children, but also bring all those really great things that we learned. You know, my parents are resilient as fuck. You know, I mean, to be together after 50 years and, you know, and to share you know, the experiences that they have shared and to raise and to keep kids alive during that time. And that, you know, seriously, like to keep us, I say to my mom, I'm like, how the, and she didn't just raise us. She raised lots of other kids. And I'm like, how did you keep us all alive? And like, I, I, Terry fed me a bologna sandwich the other day and that's an act of love. (laughs) Indigenous love 101. She made me a bologna sandwich. And it reminded me and of, noodles and noodles and mama noodles. And if that's not an act of love, I don't know what is. But I think about, you know, how our parents, um, you know, and, and eating bologna sandwiches every day, every day. Like it was just a norm to eat bologna sandwiches. And they kept us alive on bologna, <laughs> on bologna and resilience. That's what we're going to call this episode. Bologna and resilience. That's, that's what exactly what I made up of as well. Yeah. <laughs> bologna and resilience. And so I, I again I thank I thank both of you for sharing the gifts that you have because what you are teaching us is that this is incredibly possible. Mm. And we cannot uh you know dream about decolonizing love or dream about decolonizing uh you know futures if we don't speak a language of possibility. And what you all do what you all are doing is sharing the possibility. And so that is, again, a gift that I think that you're giving, I know that you're giving to, to the world. Um, and I think that, uh, I think we're nearing the end of our time. And so I want to ensure that you all, that you both have an opportunity to share any messages that you might have for the folks that are listening, uh, anything that you would like to share for us. Um, yeah. Any stories? <laughs> you guys want to make out? You can shut off the camera and make out. Shut up. Make sure to mute yourself. <laughs> you know, there's a couple like philosophies that I have that just help me in so much areas of my life. And it's, it's real simple. You know, it, I realize that if you want things to become better, then you have to become better. If you want things to change, then you have to change. And so anytime Marissa and I are in any situation, I, that comes back to me all the time. Um, if our situation is not the best, how could I become better to make it better? How could I change to, to, to have the change that we want? And, and realizing that we're, we're a team. 
and our our my goals have became have become our goals mm-hmm. right and when we we hit those together and check mark them that they're complete you know that's it's just something that can't be explained you know it's a really good feeling to have to be able to do it with a, a person that I, I'm madly in love with. <laughs> <laughs> e- e- <laughs> You're making us shy here. <laughs> One of the things uh, that Pat actually suggested was that we kind of guide our relationship more from a matriarch and patriarch more from oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what i'm talking about <laughs> so that like us Mm -hmm. really always diving into things wanting to learn together um i i would encourage anyone who listens to this if if if, with your partners is to set goals and to set goals so out of your mind that you guys have to be so many different versions of yourself my favorite thing ever is is to set a goal with pat and to kill it like when we accomplish a goal together, there's some type of energy that I have never, ever shared with another person, mm-hmm. ever. And that is like our superpower, is that Pat will never, ever, ever let me live a mediocre life. He's always going to push me to be better and me the, the same for him. Um, mm-hmm. One of our ultimate goals, our all-time goals, is to to live to see that seven, that's our goal, is to see seven generations. We want to be that healthy. We want to, you know, nourish our bodies and, and ourselves and our families to, to see that seven. Um, and I, I, yeah, I would absolutely encourage anyone, just make some goals together. Make some goals together and really learn with each other that way. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. That was that was such a beautiful episode. Mm. And um, as Amber mentioned, um, you can feel the energy and uh, it's inspiring. And I know that our listeners who are listening uh, today will also be inspired by the stories that you've shared with us. So thank you. Thank you for joining us on Two Crees in a Pod. We love you. And uh, we appreciate you, Marissa, for joining us on your birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Marissa. Happy birthday to you. Yay. That's exactly what I wanted. I was hoping I'd get one. (laughs) All she needed was a sagwe for her birthday. (laughs) Thank you both so much. Two crees in a pod. Two crees in a pod. Hey, Natani means. Yeah. Let's go. 
They pushed us to this point Frustrations of a common man Manifest the destiny Preach and pledge the promised land I'm stuck between taking my journey Live with no honor Like what's the use of my kids Can't taste clean water A child born into a world Revolution's not a choice Fighting to be heard So we make them hear our voice Remember ancestors Anguish lightning in our veins Hear it in a language When they are kitchen for the rain I am product of people That persevere persecution Paint me so creator sees me If I go out shooting Experience our pain When our women disappear daily Anxious to be angry, pacifists might hate me Trolls on the internet constantly trying to bait me We move in silence, cover of the night Learning from the wolves in the forest Tracking enemies in the woods Reincarnations of warriors riding for salvation Or are we false prophets when we submit to temptation? Colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said Two Crees in a Pod.